Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you so much for watching. We're talking about um, some events at the end of Acts chapter 8. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, and some fascinating considerations for us about asking the question, do we need anybody else in our life, spiritually speaking? Do we need counsel? Do we need help? Do we need to stick to the word here that the Ethiopian gentleman stated? Do we need anyone to guide or lead us to truth? We're going to examine that a little more um, precisely according to the word and add several other um, references here uh, to discuss here in part two. We may have to go to a part three because I talked too long in part one, but we'll see. Um, But we ended part one with being okay with being challenged, confronted, corrected is something very, very void. Um, in the body of Messiah at large, thankfully, there seems to be a growing contingent of people who are actually realizing they need that. Um, we need tested. We need challenged. And so we talked about that to end part one. But getting back to examining today's text a little bit more in Acts chapter 8, we read that, quote, Philip ran to the Ethiopian and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And he, of course, said, How can I unless someone guides me. So we're going to talk about that specifically here for a few minutes. If you look into this word guide, you will find what I did, which is really what launched this entire um, short series and and, and train of thought, more importantly, in my own heart, um, to study this out a bit more. Now, in Greek, this word is described as this, quote, to be led and or given instruction. Okay? It it simply means to be led or given instruction. and, And sadly, Um, Most people fall into two camps here. Um, From this point on, we can talk about this. Number one, they they sit under a pastor or a leader, and they simply take whatever he tells them as truth. Really no questions asked. It's not really a setting where you ask a question. You know your place, clergy, laity, and all those weird things that keep people um, drinking milk for their whole life. But these, in, in camp number one, don't study or investigate what is taught. It's not really a requirement or an expectation, either one. Even if you're told to do that, we all know in the uh, church structure you don't do that at all. It's, it's said you can, but you can't really. Um, and most people in that context, like myself for so many years, are primarily, we just stay ignorant, um, like by true definition, towards any real personal understanding, like life-changing substance understanding in the heart of a man. It's not conducive for that. Then there's camp number two. They have been set free, they think, um, from needing others. They have had their lights come on from the religious system. This kind of alludes back to where I started in part one with my own personal testimony. They've been set free from needing anybody else in their life. They've become isolated in their biblical understanding. It's kind of a a me and Jesus um, relationship. Others aren't necessary. Most everybody else is viewed as is very wrong, flawed, um, and, you know, that list is, is quite lengthy for many people, as it was for, my, for me for many, many years. Um, they can find truth on their own, this camp number two, and they simply just don't need anybody else. Um, they love to quote John chapter 14, which says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Yeshua was speaking, of course, he will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I said to you. Now, that should not be excusatory to never listen to someone else's counsel, friend, (laughs) just because Holy Spirit will teach you all things. 
I've literally heard men say, see, it says all things, everything, everything I need to know. Holy Spirit will teach me. But <laughs> what we'll touch on in a couple minutes is like, but what about when Holy Spirit gives other men the unction to speak the words of the Father to you through them? That is one way Holy Spirit teaches us all things, friend. It's a biblical pattern. Now, this verse I would say that we just read about Holy Spirit, Spirit teaching you all things is often, I would say, inappropriately used to validate a disinterest in having any assistance in finding what truth is because it takes time. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of humility to receive questions and challenges to what we believe. But I'll tell you right now, friend, nothing will make you get more rock solid in your faith and your belief system than people constantly challenging what you have to say. I'm just telling you. You will find you will find something that you held on to and you hold it like this. You that will either be driven like a stake into the ground deeper and deeper and deeper because the word confirms it's actually true or it will be revealed for being error and you throw it out. It's a win-win either way if you're humbly willing to sit and receive correction and counsel from someone else who may be led by Holy Spirit, sent from the Father, to what? To guide or lead you into truth. Biblical pattern, I believe. Um, the Hebrew equivalent equivalent of guide, okay, so if you, if you go through studies and you see guide or lead in our Newer Testament text today from Acts chapter 8, and you follow it back into the Hebrew text, um, it is this word, naha, okay, naha, and it speaks to the need of being led, simply. Um, it's no surprise that it's often acquainted with livestock. You know, even Yahweh, when he's talking about leading his people out from slavery, from bondage in Egypt, leading them out, leading them away, it would be this word for the most part, not always, but very often. Um, but it was acquainted with livestock and, and specifically sheep many times, um, Yahweh always led his people, and the pattern has not changed on this side of Messiah. The one true shepherd, we just finished talking about that in the last bigger series that we did. What does the one true shepherd do? He leads the sheepfold. He is, he is speaking to them. He's, he's calling them in together um, into the fold um, to be safe, to be preserved, and under his care. Um, Yahweh has always spoken to and through Men, always. Um, and this even right here, this, this guide, if we, if we get into the mindset of the scriptures and the, and the perpetuity of the word from beginning to end, we see all this imagery about sheep um, and the sheepfold and, and how we're, we're together. We're not isolated and, and there's not, well, I'll get into that in a few minutes, but like this speaks to why Yeshua came. For what? The lost sheep of the house of Israel who have been scattered, and there's an ingathering coming at the end, end of the age. An ingathering, what? To come together, okay? Um, but sadly, many people would cling to texts like Yeshua facing the non-believing leaders, saying things like we see in Matthew chapter 15, okay? And we, we're going to appropriate this correctly and not mishandle or misuse these texts. And Yeshua said this, Leave them alone, they're blind guides, guides, okay, same word, of blind people. And if a person who is blind guides another, okay, this nacha, 
he and another who is blind, both will fall into a pit. So we're talking about these blind men, blind guides, even to use the word specifically, guiding blind people, okay? This, this, using this word guide, we're following this word guide. Now this, however, should not be applied as a blanket um, principle to disqualify everyone that would attempt to help another one find a way to go, find Yahweh's ways to walk. Um, one has to use discernment for this. this is, again, this takes time. Why? You have to rightly assess who is promoting Father's ways. You have to be able to discern the, the blind guide, the blind one who wants to lead you to truth, because it would be error, his truth or no truth at all. Or it will be one who, by discernment and, and according to testing and, and proving against the word of Elohim, that that is in fact true and worthy of listening to and, and adhering um, to it in our life and applying it where necessary. Um, but sadly, most of us, myself included, we don't know the word well enough to discern the two. It takes a lot of time because we don't know right away. And so often, because of this, biblical counsel is denied as heresy or falsehood. I get that a lot because people, people will confront what I say many times, but they don't understand the text I'm using. Or they don't understand anything in the Older Testament, and they don't understand covenant, and they don't understand the full gospel. I barely do, but I'm saying these considerations, because we have to make a spontaneous, instantaneous decision, good, bad, truth, false, truth or falsehood. Like, we have to take time to discern. We have to take time to allow the spirit of truth to reveal what is truth. And we have to posture ourselves in humility, like this Ethiopian, to say, you know what? From, from the very beginning, let's be quick to admit, I don't know everything. I'm lacking, okay? That is okay. Um, I will say I'll be the first one to be very skeptical skeptical of um, who is a trustworthy one to listen to. I don't take very many people's word for very much of anything. There are, there are a close-knit circle of, of brothers in my life who have credibility and who have proven themselves to be rightfully trustworthy from a scriptural standpoint and approach. But friends, the pool is small, okay? And I'm okay with that. But there's still a pool, okay? <laughs> um, this is why things we, we read like First Thessalonians chapter 5, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is tov, what is good, okay? What is good? Yahweh's told us what is good, his ways. And these actions take time. Um, and I'll just touch on this and I'll keep moving. I constantly feel this uh, in me about all, people always saying how they're Bereans. And um, friends, if you want to be a Berean, okay, and if we, if I want to be a Berean, which by definition means that I study the Torah and the prophets, okay, that is a Berean. Shaul Paul came, presented something, the Bereans received it with joy, and then they did what they always did, which was they daily searched the Torah and the prophets to see if it were so. If it was what? Truth. Truth. That's exactly the process I'm talking about. And then you retain what is good and what is right and what is agreeable with the entire testament of the Bible. Okay? This is not difficult. <laughs> we have to explore this concern of 
individual isolation a little bit more in order for those um, who are in need to to just maybe see it in a different light to to have an opportunity to see the the bigger picture. Um, many people who are are loner driven isolators will often quote things like Yeshua would leave the ninety nine to go and find the one. Um, the you know the lost sheep idea. <laughs> But we have to ask, why does the good shepherd, why does he go out to get the one, friend? Why does he go? To bring them back into the sheepfold with the other sheep. <laughs> um, to return the isolated loner who went astray back into the other pasture by himself to get him back into the fold. Alongside the other sheep. <laughs> Simply put, Father uses men in accomplishing his leading, okay, back into the fold. If you are following someone who's trying to get you out away from being any part of the capital P people of Elohim, friend, be very concerned. Be very worried about that because this has to have a level, a rightful level now, this is a whole other issue, of consideration of others and inclusion of others in a very mature, wise, biblical sense, okay? Now, we're starting to move towards a conclusion here. Next up, we find what I would refer to as as what is the most precious gem that is within this treasure of the end of Acts chapter 8 in our main text, and that is humility. Um, this This should be the beginning and the end of what we're talking about and the whole reason we're presenting it. If we keep reading the text, the humble Ethiopian responds honestly to Philip, and then he invites Philip to come and sit with him. This traveler, riding along, reading Isaiah out loud, is is found quickly ready to admit that he lacked understanding. This is a great place to start for any one of us, and I'm being redundant on purpose because I feel like all of us really, if the body is going to mature into a unified one-man reality that is worthy of a kingdom that's yet before us that we're practicing for now, all of us, myself included, front and center, has to understand the importance of humbling ourselves before other brothers and receiving instruction, receiving counsel, receiving guidance from other people. He invited Philip to literally join alongside and lead him to truth, this wonderful Ethiopian man. This is quite simple, yet seemingly also very lacking in the body today. Many people go it alone, and they hope for the best, entirely convinced that they just don't need others. I have seen a laundry list of people, even just this calendar year on the Gregorian calendar, this this past year, about many people who are just like, I can't do it. I can't, I can't fellowship with anybody else. I can't. I have my own challenges with that. I will admit that all day long. But I continue to push back and say, no, I've got to have people in my life. We have got to have people to counsel us and to be counseled so that we grow, so that we mature, so that we change, so that we are finding truth together. It's a beautiful reward. I believe that we can present to the Father through our humility. Thankfully, this is not the case for the man in the chariot. This one account of many shows us the power of one humbling himself to another, openly asking for help. Now, why did he do this? 
I would submit that because his desire to understand the prophet exceeded his need to prove that he had it all together on his own. He needed help. He wanted to know who is this man that the prophet is talking about. I need to know. And I'm willing to look like I don't know much and risk looking foolish perhaps in your sight, you random man walking up on the road. He didn't mind asking for some help to find the truth. Why? Because the truth was of great value. Boy, is that a spot we could sit right here and sit in this chair all night and talk about? How valuable is truth to you, friend? Are you, do you want truth so bad that you're willing to look foolish and uneducated? I think I'm there. I think I'm there. I fight it at times when what I believe is challenged by other brothers that I know or that I don't. <laughs> I still get frazzled. I still get offended. That's just me. I'm, it's my natural man instinct that I give room for more than I wish that I did. But deep, deep down, man, that's okay because I want the truth. I want truth because I know it sets me free. I know it. I've experienced it. I want to keep experiencing it in greater, greater measure. So like this Ethiopian man, we've got to want truth more than we want to look good in the eyes of men. Okay? Many pastors need to hear that right now. Pastors who can't answer tough questions about covenants and about Yeshua's identity and the finished work and what's the full gospel and how does grace be balanced properly with keeping the law because we know that lawlessness is sin? Pastors need to start saying, you know what? There's just some things I just don't think I understand. I don't think I really understand what Paul was saying in Ephesians. I don't think I really understand Galatians. I don't know what in the world Hebrews is talking about. I think it would be good for some men to confess that that might just be true in at least some small measure. A little bit of humility might take us great distances as a body of Messiah people. It's also worth mentioning, since it appears all over the place, when the Ethiopian asked Philip to explain who Isaiah was speaking about, Philip's answer began with what? The Torah and the prophets. <laughs> it's verse 35 of Acts chapter 8. This is how Philip preached Messiah. Okay? <laughs> oh, how we need to get back. We've got to get back to what we've been shown. This pattern that's been abandoned, that we have just lost. We've forgotten it. We've forsaken it. We've got to get back to this stuff. And what was the result, friend? What was the result? We mentioned it earlier. <laughs> the baptism of the Ethiopian. <laughs> Historical records, if you look into this in Ethiopia, what happened and promises and covenants and even texts within Isaiah, um, it, would, it would show that this moment that likely started with this man's humility and willingness to be led by another man to help him find truth led to many people in that region to receive the full gospel. There's historical things going on that have led all the way up to right now you can look into and see about the Ethiopian people and their beliefs. I like to think it's fun to believe that maybe it's because of this man's faith and humility. So, as we bring this to a close, if you're walking along a road of individual salvation and ease, no confrontations, no challenges, no one calling you out. No one saying, you know what, brother? Is it possible you're wrong? If you never have anybody doing that, 
Don't have any input from other believers that challenge you and challenge um, you to change your stance towards, well, anything. Consider this a gentle warning, not a harsh one, not bringing out the wooden spoon of fury. I'm just saying, would you consider this pattern we see only just right here at the end of Acts chapter 8? Is this what the Word is speaking to? Is it possible that if your individual me and Jesus living is causing you to actually miss out on the full truth that the Father desires to use others to deliver to you? Yes, Holy Spirit will teach us all things. Yes and amen. But friend, the Holy Spirit speaks through men. And he speaks to men through men sometimes. I think it's safe to ask us, how many things do we properly hold to that has just not been filtered through anybody else? That's not in my notes. <laughs> how many things that we cling to doctrinally have just never really been searched out by anybody else? Submitted for consideration. I have begged people that I love to say, scrutinize what I do. I know you don't agree with my beliefs. Please challenge me according to the word. Like, if you love me, I don't want to say beat me with the word, but like, if I'm wrong and you know it, and if you love me, why wouldn't you bring the word to me to correct me? It's very odd. No, we're just not going to talk about it. I don't understand that. That's a baffling thing to me. It's quite mysterious. Let's be a people who confront one another. And most importantly, our posture to receive the confrontation, which is a confrontational word. <laughs> I'm not meaning be belligerent. I'm not meaning being violent. I'm talking like what we see in this um, Acts chapter 8 text. Hey, man, do you understand what you're reading? No, I don't. Can you help me? That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> is there anyone to lead us? into Father's truth. Is there anyone else outside of ourselves? Do we humbly receive the necessary assistance that we just need as people because we're so deficient? Or do we turn it away because we think that we can just figure it all out or most importantly, we already have it all figured out all on our own? These are good questions to ask, I believe, as we reflect back on this humble Ethiopian man riding along in a chariot with the prophet Isaiah sitting on his lap, reading it aloud, and a stranger, mind you, that he has never met before, walks up and says, hey man, you have any idea what you're reading? He simply says, who can understand this thing? I don't. Can you come help me? And to, to finish where we started, can you guide me to truth? Friend, we are necessary for one another, for the building up, building up of the body. We will be deficient if we go it alone and we continue to perpetuate this individual me and Jesus relationship. This should be a corporate endeavor on some level at the very least. So are you engaged in that? Are you open to it? Are you likewise willing to say, you know what? I don't know it all. Can you come sit in my chariot for a while and we talk about it and you help me find the truth? I hope you'll consider these things. You've been watching the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way around here. Thank you so much for watching. Amen.